Welcome to our Painesville Assembly of God podcast. Our desire is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. If this message touches your heart, we'd love to hear about it. Email us at info at or visit PainesvilleAG.com. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to your faith. Uh, I just want to just start this morning as we kick off a, a new series this morning. Uh, I want to start with a little Christmas survey. How many of you are done with your Christmas shopping already? You've got it all done. You're all done. There's a few people. How many of you hate the people with their hands raised right now? <laughs> Hate's a strong word. Strongly dislike. How about that? <laughs> How many of you have ever re-gifted a gift at Christmas? Anybody ever re-gifted a gift? Some of you are. How many of you did it in the same season? You got a gift and then you turned around and gave it that same season. There's nobody wanting to admit that. <laughs> One of you in the back is admitting that. Uh, how many of you are a little nervous about seeing family over this Christmas time? You're a little bit nervous. Okay, nobody's nervous. Maybe they're nervous about seeing you. <laughs> Uh, how many of you spend more online this year than, uh, for, for gifts than in physical stores? You'll spend more online than in physical stores. Okay, yeah, yeah. How many of you started uh, your, your Christmas shopping on Black Friday and uh, bought a few things for yourself too? Anybody bought a few? How many of you bought more for yourself than you did for others on Black Friday? <laughs> So sometimes, sometimes we do that. All right, how many of you have a gift that you've gotten for somebody and you just, you're really excited about giving it to them that you're having to hold yourself back from giving it early? You're so excited about it, right? Yeah, yeah, we love to give gifts. And you know what? God is a giver. God is a giver. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, right? Jesus Christ. So today, we're going to kick off a series, The Gift of, of Jesus, this morning. We're going to talk about the gift of Jesus and, uh, and, and talk about how to unwrap what are some of the qualities, what are some of the things that come with this gift, some of the benefits that come with knowing Jesus Christ, the gift of Jesus to us. And, uh, and, and so we're going to take a look at some famous prophecies, particularly in the book of Isaiah. And I want to start with Isaiah chapter 7 before we get to chapter 9. Chapter 9 will be a main part, but we got to back it up a minute because there was a prophecy in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14 that says this, therefore the Lord himself will give, here's that give, he's giving us, he'll give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. How many know what Emmanuel means? It means what? God with us. God with us. We need to understand that this prophecy was first not made at Christmas. It wasn't a Christmas time prophecy. This was a, a prophecy that, that had been spoken during a very troublesome time in Israel's history. A very dark time in their history, both politically, economically, and spiritually. I know I, I led into that a little bit with communion, but I, I want you to understand that these were dark days when Isaiah is writing this prophecy about the Lord will give you a sign. The year was 730 BC, and the king of Judah was a king by the name of Ahaz. 
and he was nervous because some nations, Aram, had combined with another nation. In fact, uh, there was a, a split in the kingdom after Solomon, you may remember, where Judah was the southern kingdom and continued under the kings in the line of David. But then there was also Israel, and they had split away from them. And the kings of Israel were not under the, the Davidic line of kings, but they were kings that did not follow the Lord. They worshiped other idols. That's where you have King Ahab and his, his wicked wife Jezebel and others a part of that. Well, Aram was joining with Israel and they were coming against Ahaz and Judah. They were attacking the city of Jerusalem. That was their goal and they were forming this alliance and Ahaz was wondering, what is the best way for us to handle this? How do we handle this, this conflict? How do we handle this danger? How do we handle uh, th this attack that's coming against us? And he began to think, well, maybe we ought to form an alliance with another nation. Maybe I ought to call on Egypt, or maybe I ought to call on another nation, form an alliance, have their armies come, and help us in this situation. And he was beside himself, not sure what Israel was going to do and how they were going to defend themselves. And in response, the prophet Isaiah says, listen, you don't need to worry about alliances. In fact, in Isaiah 7, 7, the Lord tells Aram, listen, it will not take, it tells him about it. He says, this will not take place. It will not take place. It will not happen. That's an assuring prophecy, isn't it? But Ahaz did not feel assured in that moment, even though, even though God had spoken through the prophet Isaiah and said, listen, this threat don't worry about it. Don't form any other alliances. Don't worry about it. It's not going to happen. In fact, the Lord's going to give you a sign that it's not going to happen. The Lord will give you a sign. And, but he's still a little uneasy about this, this whole thing. How many have ever been a little bit uneasy? You know the promises that are in God's Word. You've read something and maybe God's Word said it. But the outward circumstances are such that it's really tough to trust what God's Word is telling you. Just a few of you. The rest of you have great faith. God bless you. I have been in that place before where I know what God's word says, yet I know the circumstances that are surrounding and the fear that comes and the trouble that comes and, and, and trying to figure out how, how am I going to handle this? What are we going to do? How are we going to do this? What are we going to do? And, and, and you, there's that sense of, of uneasiness. Well, this was Ahab. Ahaz was just was, was kind of, you know, feeling this. In Isaiah 7, 11... Uh, Isaiah tells Ahaz, listen, ask the Lord for a sign. But Ahaz is reluctant to test the Lord. And perhaps he thinks, well, if, if God gives me a sign, then I have to follow it. Then I have to obey it. I don't know what it is. But Isaiah responds by challenging him not to test the patience of God and that God was going to give the sign anyway. And that's where we get this. The virgin will conceive this will be a sign to you. Behold, the virgin will conceive and, 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 and he will be given the name Emmanuel, God with us, in the midst of the fear, in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the challenges that were happening politically and economically and spiritually within the nation of Judah, God was reminding them, I am with you. I am with you. I am with I thought I'd get more amens than that. Man, this is where it gets tricky, though. In Isaiah chapter 8, 
There's a partial fulfillment of this prophecy. And oftentimes within Scripture you see this. You see that there's a prophecy. There's an initial fulfillment, kind of partial, but it's not full. And we see that. There's a son that is born in Isaiah chapter 8. But we know that that's not the complete fulfillment because we get to chapter 9 and all of a sudden there are qualities that don't match just the notable child of Isaiah chapter 8 that had been a partial fulfillment. But the full fulfillment, it was something that was going to come much greater. During, during a later day. And you can see it here in chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9, 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, to uphold it with justice, with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Will do this. So in the middle of a, a, a dark time in Judah's history, a time in their lives as a nation, again, where they're being threatened by their enemies, while they're concerned about losing everything, where they're afraid, they're in despair, all of a sudden, God shows up through Isaiah and gives a prophecy, unto us a child, unto us, let me go back to it so I don't mess it up, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. God is about to unleash a gift to his people in the form of his son, Jesus Christ. And this gift is going to shoulder the load and is going to bring peace and going to bring justice and righteousness. And who is this gift? It's Jesus. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to unwrap this gift. And we're going to start to unwrap this by looking at these compound names, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and we're going to end together on Christmas Eve at 10 a.m. together in here, focusing on Jesus, our Prince of Peace, our Prince of Peace. So today, let's start with Wonderful Counselor. Again, it's a compound name, and it's a name that is made up of two different Hebrew words. The first Hebrew word is Pele. No, not the soccer player. <laughs> That's how you put it. It, it, is, it is Pele, and the second is Yaoetz. Yaoetz. So Pele is where we get the word wonder or wonderful. That's where it originates from, but it's much more than that. Literally, it means beyond understanding. Beyond understanding. Literally, a wonderful counselor that is extraordinary or a counselor of wonders or a counselor of amazing things. It doesn't mean wonderful in the sense of great as much as it, it means beyond understanding, astonishment, or something that only God can do. Something other. That's, that's what this word has in it. Just to give you some context, there are a couple of other verses where this word wonderful is used. In Job chapter 9 and verse 10, Job proclaims this, he, meaning God, performs wonders that cannot be fathomed and miracles that cannot be counted. Wonders that cannot be fathomed. Miracles that cannot be counted. It's also used in Psalm 78, 12, and it says this, He did miracles in the sight of their fathers 
and the land of Egypt. Do you know that the word miracles here is actually the same word Pele is used for wonderful counselor, wonders in Egypt beyond miracles. Does anybody need a miracle in their life today? There is a wonderful miracle working God that, that is beyond anything in this world. It is not about great, but it is about this wonderful counselor. The second word here is counselor from yawets, meaning advises or instructs or guides. And what's important is, is that in this word counselor here, uh, one who guides also has with it one who does so in a position of authority. In fact, this, this phrase, counselor here, Yahweh, is one that was used of Solomon. Solomon, who was David's son, who was king, and he was wise upon wise. And how many of you know, many people came to him for his wisdom, for him to help them in difficult situations. Why? Not only did he have the wisdom from God to be able to understand, but he was also in the position of authority with which to be able to carry it out. That's, that's an important distinguishing mark here. You, you, when, you, when you take a look at, at counselor, don't think therapist. Don't, don't think somebody who's a friend that you contact late at night, you pour out their problems to them and they go, oh yeah, that stinks. Oh yeah, I'm so sorry, I understand. You know what I'm saying? Don't, don't, don't think, I mean, you know, it, 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 don't, don't think, you know what, like a counselor, I pour my, my you know what, I hate them too, they're terrible. Oh boy, everybody's asleep already. That, that's not, we're not talking about therapists. You have to understand that a counselor, was, 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 in, in Old Testament times, a counselor was, was someone who advised the king. They were a strategist. When the king didn't know what to do, Ahaz didn't, didn't know what to do. Ahaz was, was in a situation where the nation of, of Aram was threatening and they had joined forces with Israel and they were going to come against and he's, he's not sure what to do. He, he doesn't know how to handle this. He doesn't know what to do. A king in those situations would have counselors. They would have advisors. They would have strategists. And they'd say, king, in my opinion, the way I understand, the way I look, this is what I think you ought to do. In fact, Solomon's son Rehoboam called counselors in when Jeroboam had come in and, and he had said, listen, your father put all kinds of things on us. If you will le ease up on us a little bit, we'll follow you. And he said, we'll come back in a week. And what he did is he consulted some counselors, some advisors, and the older counselors said, I think if you do that, they'll, they're going to come under line. You're going to have them with you. They're going to follow you. And then he brought in younger counselors and they said, ha, oh, they just, you need to be strong with them and you need to tell them, no, 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 they're just trying to rebel against you. And, and he listened to the younger advisors rather than the older advisors. Whose counsel are you listening to? Whose counsel are you listening to? You see, when we're talking about counselor, we're talking about strategists, we're talking about somebody that when you don't know what to do, when you're faced with problems you don't understand, or situations where you're stuck, you just do not know what to do, you need a wonderful counselor. And we have that in Jesus. We have that in Jesus. You see, Ahaz, when he's being threatened, he was, he was considering what counsel to look at. And if we go back to, to Isaiah chapter 8, smashed in between the prophecies in chapter 7 and chapter 9, we, we find this. 
this is what it says in, in Isaiah 8, 19, and 20. When someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritists whose whisper and, who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? Consult God's instruction and the testimony of warning. If anyone does not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. There were people that were saying to Ahaz, listen, you need, you need to consult a medium or a spiritist. You need to consult, you need to consult some kind of spiritual body outside of God to figure out what we're going to do in this situation. And Isaiah said, no, 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 you don't need to do that. No, 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 don't, don't, don't do that. Because God is promising you that, that for unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given. And he shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful Counselor. I'm, I, 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 I believe in counseling. Do not hear what I'm not saying. But sometimes we don't counsel the Lord. We spend so much time looking for a YouTube video to tell us how to handle our situation, looking for somebody that we can consult that's gonna give us the answer. And we need to be careful in these last days because sometimes we will go to those who tickle our ears rather than the Lord. Because sometimes, like Ahaz, we don't always like what the Lord is telling us. Be careful. We have a wonderful counselor. Wonderful. We have a, 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 a Pele Yowitz. <laughs> wonderful counselor. Uh, there, there is a gift of Jesus. Don't miss the wonder of this. Don't miss the wow of this. Anne Lamott in her book, Prayer Called Help, uh, a book on prayer, excuse me, called Help, she describes the response of wow this way. She says, wow is often offered with a gasp, a sharp intake of breath when we can't think of another way to capture the sight of shocking beauty or destruction, of a sudden unbidden insight or an unexpected flash of grace. Wow means that we are not dulled to wonder, that we, we click into being fully present when we are stunned into that gasp. Wow is about having one's mind blown by the mesmerizing or the miraculous. Unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and he shall be called Wonderful, wow, counselor, wonderful counselor, miraculous counselor, a counselor that, 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 that is a gift from God to help us in the midst of our problems. Let's dive a little deeper into this understanding because the New Testament helps us out in helping us to understand how is Jesus a wonderful counselor. How is Jesus that wonderful counselor to us? How can he be? 
Hebrews 4, 15 and 16, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I I absolutely love this because Jesus is not uh, just a, a king to rule over us, but rather he is a brother who lived among us. Not just a king ruling over us, but a, a brother who lived among us, one who, who walked the life that we walk, who experienced the pain that we experience, who experienced the challenges that we experience, who understands the difficulties that we walk through. There's nothing that you have experienced that Jesus has not experienced. And when you walk through the Christmas story, one of the things that you see over and over again is is that Jesus experienced and walked through many things that you and I walk through. In fact, he was born into the worst kind of poverty. He was born among a poor and oppressed people, and his earthly parents, Mary and Joseph, appear to be the poorest of the poor. In, In a book by Timothy Keller, The Birth of Jesus... He highlights some of these things. Jesus was born in a stable, which means that Joseph lacked money to secure a proper lodging for his pregnant wife. I know that the manger scenes tend to be all quaint and cozy and, you know, just, just all, all nice. But I don't know any woman that wants to give birth out in the cold in the midst of some smelly, stinky animals. You know what I'm saying? It did not smell like nutmeg and cinnamon, friends, in the manger. Okay. We glorify it, but it didn't. When Jesus was dedicated in the temple, his parents presented a pigeon as a sacrifice instead of the lamb because the law, which required a lamb, allowed for the poorest of the poor to be able to offer the smallest token that they could which was a a pigeon. Jesus, the lamb of God, his family was so poor they couldn't even offer the proper sacrifice. At his birth, Jesus was laying down a pattern that would be present throughout his entire life. He was born in a manger and he would die on a cross. At his birth, the innkeeper said there was no room, but at his death, the cried, crowd out, give us Barabbas, crucify him, crucify him. At his birth, he was wrapped in rags and at his death, he was stripped naked in shame. At his birth, he was ignored by the world, and in his death, he was rejected by his father. Why? Because he was bearing the rejection and poverty because of the weight of sin. The sin that was upon us, he took upon himself. He bore it upon himself, upon his back, so that when you and I come to him, we can come to him in confidence, knowing that he has experienced everything as we have, yet was without sin, and he is our great high priest. Therefore, we can come confidently and boldly in prayer because he is our wonderful counselor. He is our wonderful counselor. God, God with us. Isaiah wrote centuries before, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, our 
the punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. We can trust him. We can trust that we can come to Jesus, our wonderful counselor, because he has walked through the things that we've walked through and he knows how to get us through. He knows how to get us through. James shows us what it looks like when we come to him praying for wisdom. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously unto all, look at this, without reproach, and it will be given him. I want to highlight that because I love that, without reproach. I think that's one of my favorite phrases, my my favorite things about this particular passage of asking for wisdom is without reproach because usually when I find myself in need of wisdom, it's usually because I've done something stupid or sinful. Anybody else? I, usually when I'm coming to him for wisdom, oftentimes it's, it's because I've, I've, I've caused the situation that I'm in. I, I, I've done something stupid. So I can just imagine sometimes coming, and I guess in the back of my mind, incorrectly, theologically, I think, oh, this is what God is. I come to him, and it's, I've, made, made him, I've messed up, and I don't know what to do. And here I come, Lord. I'm coming to you, and I'm thinking, here's God. He's just talking to the angels. He's like, oh, here comes that Taylor kid again. Man, oh man, oh man. I mean, he just messed up. Now, he didn't consult me beforehand. He didn't ask me anything before. He just keeps on doing the things he knows he's not supposed to do. And now he's coming asking for my help. Am I the only one that's ever felt that way? You know, Lord, I need your wisdom. I really messed up this time. Oh, here he comes again. That is incorrect theologically. James tells us that that when we come, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously without reproach. Oh, hallelujah. Without reproach. Why? Because Jesus bore my reproach. He bore my reproach upon his back. Oh, he gives me wisdom without judging me, without criticizing me for being in the predicament. If I come to him, he gives me wisdom because he is a wonderful counselor. He's a wonderful counselor. He's a wonderful counselor. He's taken on my condemnation. So when I mess things up in my, in my marriage, when I'm stupid... When I lose my temper, I lose my patience, and I think, ah, oh, how am I going to fix this one? Thank you, Jesus, for your wisdom. Right? When I mess things up with my kids, when I'm a bad example as a parent, and I lose my patience, and I lose my temper, and I let this mouth of mine get out of control, am I the only one who lets their mouth get out of control? Oh, my tongue, help me, Lord, with my tongue. But thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for the wisdom you offer. Thank you, Jesus, for the grace you offer. Thank you, Jesus, for what you purchase for me. You know, the other thing that Hebrews promises is that when we're in pain or when we're tempted, Jesus listens sympathetically to us because there's no suffering, no pain, no confusion that we go through that he's not already gone through. And so we can come to him for expert advice. I want to go back to it. This time I want to read it in the, in the uh, ESV version. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but who in every respect, every respect has been tempted as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we re- may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. He listens sympathetically. Why? Because in every respect, he has walked through what we walk through. 
in every respect. In every respect. He provides us real help in our time of need. He is a wonderful counselor because he has walked through it and he knows it. And some of you right now, if you're honest, you'd say, you know what? I'm in a real time of need. I'm, a real to- I'm in a real time of need. I- I've, got, I've got some things that are before me that I don't understand. I've got some things before me that I'm walking through that I just, I'm not sure what to do. I'm not sure where to go or I'm facing some things right now and, and it just looks like an uphill battle and man, I, I am in need. Can I encourage you today that God has given you the gift of Jesus and he is a wonderful counselor who, who yeah, he's a wonderful counselor. He, he knows how to, he, he, he's, he's a high priest who sympathizes with your need, that as you come to him, you can come to him with confidence knowing that, that, that there's not going to be any reproach, there's not going to be any judging. He, he, he's going to walk with you, sympathize. He understands the weaknesses that you have. He understands the struggles that you're going through. He knows the times when, oh, ye of little faith, he, he knows Come to Jesus and let the wonderful counselor help you in your time of need. Friends, he is the Pele Yawitz. <laughs> wonderful counselor. C- can I just say something that's just going to sound so simple and yet I think maybe a bit profound? Do you know that every miracle begins with a, prom- with a problem? Every miracle begins with a problem. We, we see Jesus who's able to do miracles, but you can't have a miracle without a problem. So if, if you've got a problem, if you've got something that you're under, something you're going through, something you don't understand, man, you are fertile ground for a miracle. You're, you're in a place where you... Where you can see the miracle wonder working God. Where you can see God, our wonderful counselor. He he came not for the the healthy, but for the sick. He came not to reward the righteous, but to save the sinner. Uh, The real problems that we have is found in the the real problem, the real healing, the real need. The the problem solver is, is this gift, this wonderful counselor, Jesus. So, so as I close, I just want to give you some guidelines. How do we receive the help from our wonderful counselor? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk through these pretty quickly here, but I think they're really important. How do I, how do I unlock the gift of Jesus as my wonderful counselor? How do I, how do I begin to unlock so that, I can, so that I can truly have this benefit of relationship with Jesus and the benefit of having him as my wonderful counselor? First, you have to be completely honest with him. You have to be completely honest with him. Every counselor that you see, you really will not get to the heart or find the healing or find the help that you need unless you're honest. And I think sometimes, maybe it's for our own sake, maybe we're ashamed or maybe we, we, we struggle to admit we have the, a problem or that that problem begins with us. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And sometimes we don't find the healing that we need because we don't start by acknowledging and, and, and being honest, I have a problem. This, this is where I'm at. This is what I don't understand. We, we have to be open and honest. I think sometimes we kind of approach Jesus 
And, and some of our problems with Jesus is a, as somebody going, has taken our car to the car wash. We, 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 we take it off and we say, hey kid, here you go. Clean up my car, detail my car, and, uh, and I'm going to be back in 30 minutes, an hour, and, uh, and, and, and it'll be all nice and clean and it'll be all good to go. But when it comes to, to this help that we need, we have to be a part of the process. It's not hand the keys over, one and done, Jesus does it, now I'm perfect, everything is fine. There is a cooperation that happens with Jesus. We are an active part of the process. Why? Because God's not going to to change your situation without changing you. God wants to do some work in us. He wants to transform us. And he can't do that unless we're honest. And sometimes our fear in being honest is that maybe we don't want to re- reveal the full extent of our problems. We, we wonder, you know what, if I reveal the full extent of my problems, then, then God's probably going to walk away like everybody else in my life if they found out what was happening or what I was struggling with or what I was dealing with or what I was doing. I don't know that I can do that. Let me tell you something. You can trust Jesus. In John chapter 4, Jesus met a woman at a well. And in the course of the conversation, she kept trying to, to steer away and hide from some of the real pain and real problems she had experienced in her life. You see, she had been married multiple times before and was now living with a man who was not her husband. And after a little bit of back and forth exchange of her trying to do this little dance and we worship on this mountain and you Jews do this and we Samaritans and all of this kind of thing, Jesus finally came out, came, came out and he said, listen, 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 I know that, that you've had multiple husbands, and I know that the man you're living with right now is not your husband. You're in an adulterous relationship. I knew that when I started this conversation, and guess what? I'm not walking away because I've come here to heal you. I've come here to transform you. Listen, Jesus already knows all that's going on. You just need to be open and honest and say, I, I need a wonderful counselor in my time of need. You got to be open and honest about that. His blood's already covered it. Just come and be open and honest. Second, we have to want to be healed. You have to want to be healed. Now, that sounds crazy, but in John chapter 5, Jesus came upon a lame man who'd been paralyzed for 38 years, and he asked an odd question that has puzzled scholars and, 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 and people who's theologians for years. He says this, do you want to be healed? He's a lame man. 38 years. Do you want to be healed? Of course he wants to be healed. Really? That's not what Jesus was getting at. There, there are painful choices that accompany healing. Sometimes we, wanna, we want God to clean up the mess in our life without dealing with our own choices and our own patterns and our own habits and our own decisions. Jesus, just clean it up. But I don't want to stop living the way I'm living or doing what I'm doing. That, 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 it's kind of like Augustine in, in his book, Confessions. He, he says, God, make me pure, just not yet. If, if, we're, if we're truly honest, there are some times where we go, God, I want help, God, I want help, when it's at its worst, when it's at its most painful, but in those moments where it's not so painful, or things kind of settle down, or I find myself in, maybe I find that I really don't want to change, I really don't want to be healed, I just don't want to experience the consequences that come with my choices. Is that, ouch? 
do you want to be healed? We have to want to be healed. We have to be honest. Secondly, we have to want to be healed. And third, and this is the final one, worship team, will you come? We have to do whatever he says. We have to do what our wonderful counselor tells us to do. We have to do what he says. As you read through the Gospels, one of the things that stands out is that Jesus sometimes asked people to do some crazy things. There was a, there was a blind man, and Jesus spit in the ground. He made mud. He put it on the blind man's eyes, and then he told him to go and wash in a pool way over on the other side of town, the pool of Siloam. Go. Jesus could have just said, blind man, be healed. But he didn't. There were some steps of obedience the blind man had to take that, to be honest with you, didn't, didn't really seem to make sense. Or, or how about one time there was a tax bill that had to be paid. And so uh, there, Jesus says to Peter, I want you to go fishing. And when you pull up the first fish you pull up, open his mouth and in there will be what you need to be able to pay the tax bill. Well, Jesus, can't you just like, I need my, thank you. Here you go. Right? Why, why do I got to? What crazy thing is that? Go fishing and you're going to pull up and there's going to be what you need and the fish isn't. That's crazy. Over and over again in Scripture, oftentimes you will see that, that sometimes the, 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 the wisdom, the counsel of our wonderful counselor doesn't seem so wise. Why would I do that? You're asking me to do what? But yet it's the very thing that leads to what we need in our time, what help we need, what wisdom we need, what answer we need. It doesn't always make sense what God asks us to do, but faith is about obedience. Faith is about obedience. There was a, a, a man we call the rich young ruler who came up to Jesus wanting to know about eternal life. What must I do for eternal life? And, and they have this exchange, and, and, and Jesus says, well, you know, the law. And he said, well, all of, I've done all of this. And he said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and come follow me. But the rich man couldn't do it. And he walked away unhappy, holding on to his riches, but missing out on the greatest gift that Jesus was offering him. Sometimes the counsel of our wonderful counselor doesn't make sense in this world. But it opens and unlocks the very thing that you and I need. The very thing we need from the Lord. We've got to do what he says. It means we, we have to put our yes on the table. That when we go to our wonderful counselor, it is yes. It is honesty. Here's where I'm at. It is I want to be healed. I want to be healed. I need a miracle. And I'm going to follow you whatever you ask me to do. Whatever you ask me to do. Jesus is our wonderful counselor. Do you need help today? Are you in a place where you need help, you need wisdom, you're struggling today, and you need help from our wonderful counselor? Let's bow our heads this morning.
If you're here and you say, I need help from the wonderful counselor, I'm facing some things and I just don't know what to do or I'm in need, I'm in a place of need. Maybe you're in need of healing. Maybe you're in need of comfort. Maybe you're in need of peace. Maybe you're in need of wisdom. And you just say, I, I need the wonderful counselor today. Will you slip up your hand this morning? I need the wonderful counselor today. I'm in a situation and I need his counsel today. Yeah, I need his counsel today. Father, I thank you today that we can come to you, our wonderful counselor. And we ask, Jesus, that you will come and that, that God, you will just uh, show us what we need. You'll give us wisdom for the things that we need. You'll lead and guide and direct. And that, Father, we will lay our yes on the table and we'll say, yes, Jesus, I'll do whatever you're asking me to do. I'll do whatever you're asking me to do. I lay it down for you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you're encouraged by this message. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, visit PainesvilleAG.com.